welcome everybody. Glad to, have, glad to have everybody here at New Life. If you guys would, go ahead and find a seat. That would be, uh, that would be great. Awesome. Hey, I want to welcome all of you that are here at our main auditorium. Thank you for coming today. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. If this is your first Sunday with us, man, thank you so much for uh, choosing to come here uh, to our main auditorium here at our Kearney campus. I also need to stop for a moment and say a big hello to all of our uh, church family that's worshiping with us live right now out in North Platte. Uh, I want to say a big hello to you guys. I'm excited about, uh, continue to be excited about what God's doing in the lives of those who worship with us in North Platte. It's an incredible church body that's out there. And if you're ever in the North Platte area and you're from Kearney and you're there on a Sunday, please pop into our, our uh, New Life Church location that's in the downtown area of, uh, of North Platte. It's right across the street from Sears, actually. So afterwards, you can go buy your tools, guys. There you go. It's conveniently located right there. I also want to say hello to those that are worshiping with us at, uh, at what we call the venue. The venue, it's down in the gym. And um, man, Pastor Nate and Drew, those guys are doing an incredible job down there being our campus pastors. God's been growing that ministry down there so much that it grew to a place that we actually asked some folks, would you please start attending back in the main, right? Some of them have never even been in our main auditorium. Down in the venue, it, uh, it's, it's a church within a church. And uh, we're excited. So we preach live in all of our locations. We have live worship in all of our locations as well. We have a lot of people involved in ministry at our three locations that are happening right now. So welcome to New Life, everybody. Glad to have you guys here. Hey, listen, we're going to kick off a brand new teaching series today. We call it Life Verse. Life Verse. Um, it's a concept that is, that's built off the premise that there are moments in life where we have these Things that happen to us that shape us, they change us, they, uh, they cause us to never love the same, to never live the same, right? They change the way we share compassion, uh, they change our behavior, they change the, even the way that we speak. Um, and in God's word, God's word is chalked full of life. But inside of all of that life, there are verses that at times will kind of jump off the page at you and attach themselves beyond just, your, beyond just your mind, attach them to your heart. And then they act really kind of as anchors, and they act as filters for our life. You know, anchoring us during difficult times and filtering, keeping us pure in thought and deed and in action. You know, because life is full of these moments that shape you and change you. As an example, there are tragic things that happen to us, unfortunately. And when those tragic things take place, we, we never think the same we never act the same from that moment. But there are also moments that, are, that you can remember that are filled with great memories. Moments that I'm just going to call them love moments. Love moments, right? It's the moment that you're sitting next to the person that you're spending the rest of your life with. And you can remember back to that moment when you first met each other. Oh, right? That's good. I hope, that, I hope that's the way you feel. I'm not seeing very many people going, yeah, that was a good day. All right. Husbands, that was your moment to kind of like wrap your arm around your wife and go, I love you, babe. All right. That was your moment. I gave it to you. Now it's gone because I mentioned it. Um, there's moments of love, right? When, you know, you got that letter, you got that phone call, you had that person stop by. Uh, you've got that, those memories of the relationship you're building with your spouse. And with these moments, they anchor us, and they filter us, and they change us in the way that we love, in the way we live, behave, and act. But we also have moments of our failures. 
I think many times our failures are some of the most instrumental moments of our life that do, that, that do shape us and they change us forever. You know, the, the real truth to failure is figuring out how to fail forward instead of failing and never getting back up again. In failing, many times, it kind of, um, it kind of confines us because we don't, we don't see the failure from the right perspective. You know, when we fail, often it's, it could be maybe our pride was in the way. Um, we thought more highly of ourselves than what we may have ought to. We, we moved too quickly before praying and seeking God. We, we had these moments that took place and it really comes back and it rests on our shoulders. What we ought to be doing in those moments is humbling ourselves and saying, God, I'm not all that I thought I was. I don't have it all figured out. I don't have all the answers. Forgive me for moving and not asking. Forgive me for making big life-altering decisions and not seeking your spirit first. I don't want to be that man or that woman ever again. And let failure cause us to move forward instead of just being stuck in the moment. When we do that, when we respond in that type of a way, now failure has the opportunity to shape us and mold us and create in us a more Christ-like character, which will change you forever. Change you forever. We also have moments where there's achievements, achievements, things that you've accomplished. Like you remember maybe the day that you finally walked across the platform with your college diploma. And you were like, yes, finally, I'm out of school, only to get locked down into a job that makes you work 60 hours every, every week. You know, um, so it's amazing how we get away from certain things thinking like, I'm now free only to run into the next thing, right? But we have these achievements and they're good and they're good achievements. You might think back to a sporting event and when you or your team, they won the gold medal or you came in first place, things that happened that shaped you and they changed you forever. But we also have these inspirational moments, these inspiring moments that have changed the way that you think and you love and you live and you act and you behave and even the way you talk. These inspirational moments where maybe you've heard the story of someone else and then finally the bell rang inside of your heart and your mind and you went, man, I can't keep living the way that I am. These inspirational moments that brought you to God's word and as you were reading God's word, all of a sudden it's as if God's word came alive and a scripture jumped off the page at you and it's been stuck in your mind. It's been stuck in your heart. It's something you can't get away from. It's what I'm going to refer to as a life verse. It's a life verse. It's God's word coming alive to dictate to you and to change the way that you think and you live and you love, behave and act and even talk. God's word should be doing these things in our life. And we're referring to these life verses as anchors and as filters. You know, when I lived in Alaska and Valdez, uh, the church didn't pay me much. In fact, it didn't pay me at all. So I had to work, you know, and do other things to create income for my family. And there was a couple of guys in the church that had these large fishing vessels, um, kind of like the ones that have been popular on the shows in years past. And I remember going out with those guys a couple of different times and you get out there in the sea and, you know, it's not, it's not maybe as bad as what that show was, but um, you're out there and you're doing your work and then maybe they're, they're going to take a break and they're going to, they're going to take the boat and they're going to anchor it for the night so that you know, everyone can sleep because the boat won't go anywhere. And so they drop the anchor and the splash into the water and, you know, the chain keeps going, going, going. And then the anchor, it gets locked on something down, you know, on the, on the floor of the ocean. And then now your, your ship is, it's there. It's not going to get moved. The wind can blow from the north. It can blow from the south. But your, your boat is not going to go far from that anchor. 
as long as the anchor rope is. Basically, it's as far as you're going to get. The waves, they can come even. If they're not too bad, you won't have to pull up anchor. And you can stay there. And the, the waves can buffet the ship. And, you know, it, it can last. This thing floats on top of this fluid ocean. But it's anchored on the, on the ground. Part of God's word should be an anchor for you and me. It should anchor us when, the, when the, the circumstances of life come and they rock us. When the water, the waves of life come and they splash against us. And all of a sudden life takes one of those wicked turns that you never saw coming. You know, when life throws some of its worst case scenarios at us. What anchors you? What keeps you from just being thrown around and tossed around by the circumstances of life? Is it just the fact that you're smart enough? Is it just the fact that you're tough enough? What what, what anchors you? And what should be anchoring us are these life verses, these, these moments of scripture that have jumped off the page and they've jumped into our hearts and then they anchor us to the bedrock of God that no matter what this world throws at you, it will not shake you. No matter what this world throws at you, it will not take you down. That no matter what the world throws at you, you're reminded that God is greater. It's an anchor for us. God wants his word to be that in our hearts. This teaching series is going to be about that and about helping us to establish God's anchor in our heart so that we can stand, stand against the storms of life. But God's word also needs to act as a filter. You know, all of you guys have a, have a furnace, and by the way, FYI, your filter probably needs to be changed. Your, uh, your filter in your furnace, it, it protects it, right? It, it filters the air. It keeps the junk from going into the furnace, and it keeps the junk from going into your house. Some of you guys have the big advanced filters, the, the hypoallergenic, or I don't even know if I'm saying that right. It keeps the allergies out of your house. You know, it helps keep dust down. There's a lot of things. It helps protect the unit, the furnace, so you don't pay thousands and thousands of dollars to you know, be replacing it because it gets you know, a bunch of junk stuck in it. Um, a filter, a filter, it, 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 it keeps the junk from going in and the junk from going out. Kind of like the old adage, garbage in, what are you going to get? You're going to get garbage out. So in a filter sense, if you get God's word in, you're more likely to see God's word come out. A filter purifies, though. That's what it does. See, God's word should be acting as a purifier for your life and mine. That means God's word can't just be up here in the mind, it has to get into the heart. It can't just be rote scripture that you've you know, memorized as a, as a child. Maybe you grew up in church, and there's many of you that are listening to me right now. You, you never stepped foot into a church when you were a kid. And that whole concept of going to church and memorizing scripture is completely foreign to you. And you're just now trying to get God's word into your heart. But it's not just about quoting the scripture as a kid. It's about having it in our heart. When God's word gets into our heart, it then begins to act as a filter changing the very way that we think, changing what we say, it alters us, it begins to purify us. So throughout this teaching series, you're going to hear from some of our pastors, and they're going to be sharing with you uh, their stories in life of when God's word became an anchor, and how they've hung on to that passage of scripture, and it's, it's anchored them throughout their, their entire life. You're also going to hear from them how God's word's become a filter, and it's changed them, it's purified them, and it continues to have that lasting effect on their hearts. See, when Jesus, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, you see Jesus anchoring himself in a number of places of scripture, but one of the main areas of scripture Jesus anchored himself in, it became a, 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 like a, uh, 
uh, a passage of scripture out of Isaiah chapter 61 that it altered his course. It gave his life purpose. It took his life from just an ordinary life and it, it set it on a course and his life was defined by this verse. This verse Jesus quoted actually in Luke as he quoted from the prophet Isaiah defining the anchor of scripture that would dictate who he, w- who he was and how he was going to live his life. Jesus said he went to Nazareth, which would have been his hometown where he had, where he had been uh, you know, brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, um, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now, before we even go on to verse 18, Jesus walks into the synagogue like his custom was. He steps up, and it's his turn to read, and they hand him the scroll of Isaiah. Now, when he gets the scroll, it says that he unrolls it. Now, you got to realize that when you go to Isaiah, you click on your iPhone or your Android device, and you click the Bible app, and then you click Isaiah, and then you click 61, and then you click verse 18. It's pretty, pretty intuitive. Helps you get there pretty quick. Jesus opens up a scroll, scans through the scroll, of handwritten material to find the place where it says the statement that he's going to read. I, this is just a this is just a you know an outsider's perspective. I don't believe Jesus had to scan through the scroll to figure out what scripture he was going to read. I think Jesus scanned through the scroll to find the scripture so that after he read it, all the guys that heard it could go back and find it. I believe that this scripture was something that was already in his heart. He scanned through the document to find it for the sake of others. And he went on to read this that anchors him, which is written about him. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In verse 20, then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And then later, it says that basically he tells them, what I've just read is basically about me. This is a verse that anchored him. You can see so many of those things that we just read. When you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they come alive. They're, the things that were written here in Isaiah 61 all of a sudden start showing up in the Gospels, the ministry of his life. It anchors him. And, they, and Jesus basically says this, you can take me to the cross, you can hang me on the cross, but this is what anchors me. You can spit on me, you can mock me, you can flog me, but this is what anchors me. You can, you know, you can choose not to follow me or you can follow me, but here's what identifies me. It's a passage of scripture that he gets his identity from and that anchors his very mission in life. But Jesus also said words like this that act really more like a filter. And in John chapter 5, it says, so Jesus explained, I'll tell you the truth, guys. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. A filter. I'm only going to do what I sense the father telling me to do. I'm only going to say what I sense the Father telling me to say. I'm only going to go where I sense the Father telling me to go. That's a filter. That's that's the kind of concept where you say, God, you are greater. I I want you to purify me. I want you to live through me. I I want to follow your commands, not my own commands. And you let God's scripture 
change the way that you behave. Change the way you talk and the way you love. You let God's scripture purify you. So if I had to ask you today, if I came out into the audience or I walked down to the venue or I could instantly show up in North Platte and I had a microphone and I took the microphone and I held it to your lips and I said, quote for me the life verse. Just one. Do not have to give me many, although I do think it's powerful to have more and more and more of God's scripture memorized upon our heart. But just quote for me one life verse that anchors you. Some of you would go, please don't come to me. What if I came to you and I said, quote for me one scripture that acts like a filter for you, right? That changes the way you think, changes, it it purifies you, it changes even what comes out of your mouth. It's something that when you're thinking about responding, these kinds of scriptures come into your heart and it changes even the way that you, you present yourself. What would a scripture like that be? See, all too often, we come to church and we hear God. We have Bibles that sit in our house, but God's word, unless it gets into our heart, the anchor of God's word and the filter of God's word are never going to change us. This church has been, and we want it to continue to be a church that we're not just hearers of God's word, but we're doers of God's word. And to be that type of a church, we're gonna go on this journey over the next few weeks to help you discover at the very beginning stages for some, and to add to the rest of you, what are some life verses that can change the way you live your life? What are some verses that God can bring out of his word that can deposit into your heart that will change you forever? So if that's the kind of person you want to be, I'm going to tell you these next few weeks are going to be instrumental for you. You're not going to want to miss them. If you've got to travel for business or be out of town on a vacation, I would definitely encourage you to go to mynewlifechurch.com and watch us live. Like right now, people are watching us live right now. Say hello to all of them as well. Um, Or watch the archive of the service um, after the fact. But you're going to want to be a part of this. And the way we're going to do it, like I said, we're going to hear stories And we're going to have those stories connected to our lives so that you can understand how those things make such a difference. So today, I'm bringing back someone who was a kid who grew up in this church, who watched watched his life go off the deep end and go into the deep end of the pool and have all kinds of crazy things happen to him and be done through him. And then God redeemed it. God turned it all the way around. And I want you to hear an incredible story of how God is still at work God's still at work on planet earth. God's still at work changing people that God's word can be trusted and that God's word can act as an anchor and a filter, changing you from where you really are right now to where God really wants you to be. So to do that, I'm gonna bring out uh, someone that is a new lifer, all right? His name is Brock Teal. Would you please welcome Brock Teal as he comes? Brock, come on out. Right on, buddy. How you doing? All right, man. Great to see you. Great to see you. Have a seat. Have a seat. Right on. Well, hey, listen, man. We're going to. Uh, you heard the. You heard the introduction, right? Yep. Um, we're just going to have a just a little conversation here about. Uh, we're going to get to the power of God's word in your life, and you've got a couple of scriptures that you've given me, and we're going to talk about those and how that those scriptures have been anchors for you and filters for you. Um, but to get to that point and really have that make sense for everybody. There's a backstory that we have yeah. to go back to. And so you, you grew up in this church uh, from like age six. Who, 
Who still like comes to this church as part of your family? Oh, my parents and my uh, grandparents still come here, and some aunt and uncles. So right on, right on. Now, one of the things we're going to get to is the fact that you know you recently graduated. You recently, excuse me, you recently finished phase one yep. of uh, of a ministry called Teen Challenge. Yes. Right um, now, just really quickly, what is Teen Challenge? Uh, Teen Challenge is a discipleship program. It's a faith-based recovery program uh, that helps men, women, and teens uh, overcome life-altering addictions, whether it be drugs, sex, pornography, anything that uh, takes you away from who you really are. Yeah, okay. And so that's something you just spent, really, it's been about a year and a half. Um, You spent a year in that and really finished phase one, and it's a two-year deal, right? Um, so you, 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 live, you live the life that it teaches you to live for the rest of the year, and then you actually graduate. Yes. And so that's, what, that's where you're going right yes. now, and you're kind of caught in the middle of it, right? Yep. And uh, I'm actually, uh, they've actually asked me to come back and be a staff member for Teen Challenge. So I'm in the process of training uh, to be a, a full-time staff member for Teen Challenge while uh, walking out the rest of the program to graduate. Okay, so if Teen Challenge, Brock, is a ministry that helps people find their identity in Christ again, and it's heavy into God's Word. How many hours did you say a day? Four hours a day is what they spend uh, in God's Word um, and just plugged into it. Four hours a day. Re-altering, reprogramming the way that you think, the way that you live, right? Four hours a day, that's pretty intense. There's a number of people that are out here right now, and they're saying, well, my life would change too if I could spend four hours a day, right, in God's Word. Uh, The truth of the matter is that even if we had four hours every single day to spend it in God's Word, we would most likely fill that with other things, right? So let's get to the point here. If this is a a program for people that deal with life-altering, right, things in their life, um, how, how, did, uh, how did you get there? What was your life like living here in Kearney that would even, you know, qualify you to be a man that would end up in Teen Challenge? What was your life like back then? Well, I was a, a very dark, evil man full of anger, hate, and pain um, that just was not dealt with in the right way. I was a meth addict. I was... Uh, a drug addict in, in so many different ways. If I could get my hands on it, I'd do it. Mm. Um, I would break into your house. Um, it, I would do anything and everything it took to get to get my drugs. Um, and that was the last last eight years of my life, um, consistently. Mm. Um, walked out on my wife and kids numerous times um, because feeding my addiction was more important than feeding them. Um, my family had security cameras put on their houses just because they didn't know whether or not uh, they could trust what I was going to do or what I was capable of. Um, They lived in fear because of the life I was living, um, because of the actions I made. Um, It was a very dark life. Yeah, so your your story, your life, it caused a lot of pain for you. Mm Mm-hmm. It caused a lot of pain even for others. Yes. Right? Uh, it's more on others, I believe, because mine, my pain was numbed um, with the drugs. Um, but on my wife and kids, uh, my oldest son is six years old, and I could say I've probably been in his life consistently if I put all the times together, maybe three years. Um, 
I have a four-year-old son that um, I probably have a year and a half of consistent time built up with him. Um, you know, and that's, that's just the life I chose to give them as, as an addict. Um, my wife finally had enough to where she divorced me. Uh, she took the kids, um, and she was gone. Um, she moved on. She wasn't going to be a part of that life as long as I was a part of it. And for me, um, that was my life. Yeah, yeah. But that's not where you stayed. No. Or you wouldn't be on this platform right now. No, it's not. So, Brock, help us understand what, what triggered in your heart, what took place that started to cause you to make a move really towards God? Um, July 30th of 2013, I got picked up for two burglary charges, facing 45 years in prison. Um, sat in jail for seven months here in the county. Um, just, you know, sitting in, sitting in county um, is rough, period. Um, but sitting in there for seven months, um, I wrote my ex-wife 123 letters. Um, she wrote me back once. I called my parents numerous times, and they refused the calls. Um, I didn't have a single visit until I'd been in jail for five months or in a single answer, answered call from my parents until I'd been in jail for five months. Yeah. Um, I pushed everybody that I loved that loved me um, with their hearts. I pushed them away so far to where uh, the only way uh, to protect them was to, to not be a part of my life. Hmm. So. so tell us, man, what brought you to your knees when you said, okay, I can't keep doing this on my own. Um, I, I need God's help. Sitting in jail, uh, a trustee in, in Buffalo County, um, just waiting to go to prison is what I was doing. Uh, I was waiting to go to prison. And uh, I remember sitting in my cell one night, and it, and it hit me. Uh, I had no one. The things that I came to jail with, the clothes that I came to jail with, was literally all I had to my name. Hmm. Um, I didn't have my kids. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have parents that... Uh, that were willing to come up and see their son another time for another visit in jail. They had done it so many times that they were done. Um, I'd hurt everyone. Hmm. Um, and it finally hit me. Um, I need help. Um, I don't want to live this life no more. I was tired of, of the feeling in my heart of what am I doing with my life. Yeah. Um, and is this the life I want for my kids? Is this a life I want for my kids that if I even get to see them again? Um, man, I'm going to prison. I'm looking at 45 years in prison. I might not ever see my kids again. Um, just that, that, that feeling of knowing that you're probably going to prison um, for a number of years. And whether or not you're going to have family that come and see you. Because you don't have family that will even come and see you all you're in the town that they live in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it was in that cell. Yeah. That you turned your life to Christ. Yeah, I asked. Uh, I've always believed in God. As he said, I grew up in this church. I always believed that there was a God. Um, but whether or not I believed in God, uh, I didn't know. Um, hmm. I had a lot of anger, a, a lot of miss. Uh, communication between me and God um, because I lost my twin brother when I was six years old. 
um, coming into church at six years old, learning that, uh, you know, my, my brother went to heaven and God lives in heaven. And uh, so my, God took my brother from me is where I grew up believing. Yeah. Um, so I had a resentment. Yeah. Uh, uh, almost that anger with God. I was mad at him. Um, but God's uh, given me so much more. Um, and and I, I finally hit my knees and I said, okay, God, um, if you're real... Uh, if if you're real, I need you to come into my life, and I need something different um, because I can't live this way anymore. Um, so how did you get from that point then into a program called Teen Challenge? Right, uh-huh. that you were gonna you were gonna have to go away for a year, yeah, a year of your life, a year. How um, did that? How did you get from there into this Teen Challenge program? Finally, I called my ex-wife. She answered. She was in good mood that day. Um, and, and, uh, she had a, she had a tone to her voice that I could say was my old Chelsea. Um, and I said, Chelsea, I need a favor. She goes, yeah, of course, anything. What do you need? I need to call my mom. Um, I need her to come up and see me because I need help. I don't want her to bail me out. Just let her know. I don't want, I'm not looking for that. I just need to talk to her. And my mom came up that day Hmm. and, uh, you know, she gave me, that that talk, Brock, I'm not going to do this again. Um, I can't continue to come up here and see my son uh, through a computer screen, waiting to go to prison um, time after time. I said, Mom, I don't want you to bail me out. I don't care if I sit in here for two years. Uh, I, don't, I don't want you to bail me out. And I said, I know there's going to become a day when I say forget everything I said. Come bail me out. I can't do this. <laughs> I said, but don't. Um, let me sit here, um, because the longer I'm in here, uh, the more they're going to forget about me out there, and that's what I need. I need time. I need to be forgotten about. I need to forget about them. Um, I need to get out of here, but I need help. Um, I can't do a month-long treatment center. I've done those. They don't work. I need something long-term. I need something that's going to stick, um, and she said, okay, so she started looking. Uh, she contacted Jeff. Jeff told her about Teen Challenge, um, and she came back a couple days later and told me about Teen Challenge. I said, send in the paperwork. I got the paperwork, and seeing that it was a, a minimum of a year-long program, uh, you know, there's no women there, strictly men. If you're not married, you can't have any female contact. It's in Colfax, Iowa. Um, where's that? Where's that? Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And Iowa, you know, like, I'm from Nebraska, Iowa. (laughs) Um, At first, I was like, absolutely not. Uh, You can have a CD player, but you can't have any CDs. What, you know, this place is a cult. Um, They brainwash you, um, you know, and and I I just, finally, I called my mom, and I said, Mom, I don't think I can do this. Um, You know, it's a minimum of a year. Um. It's six hours away. Um, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. Um, I want long term. I'm thinking three, six months, you know, not a year. My dad gets on the phone and he goes, uh, son, what else do you have to lose? You're, you're probably going to prison. Um, hmm. you, you've already lost your family. You've already lost your kids. Um, what else do you have to lose? Um, if anything, it gives you a year before you go to prison on the outs still, you know. Um, yeah. I said, okay, I'll try it. 
Um, if I don't like it, I'm out, though. You know. Um, yeah. So you you got accepted to the, yep. to the program, and you don't get into Teen Challenge because a mom or a dad love you and they send you there. By the way, the only way you get into Teen Challenge is by you having hit rock bottom. They, the being the directors, sense that you have hit rock bottom, yeah. and then they let you they'll let you come in, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but it's you, and you have to come to that point. And so yeah. that's what you did. Yeah. So you get into Teen Challenge, and I'm assuming now, right, and everyone else is sitting here going, wow, so your whole life started turning around. And those first few weeks and months must have just been, wow, man, finally I found a place of peace. No. No. <laughs> I wanted to leave uh, almost every day for the first three to four months. Uh, I had to talk myself into staying every morning. Um, because it's not, you're not forced to stay there. You're, it's not, you're not locked in. You can leave anytime you want. Um, and, and knowing that, uh, man, and knowing that I had to deal with things I didn't want to deal with, I had to deal with things that I've ran from my whole life, um, man, I wanted to leave real bad, um, a lot. Um, what changed that? Just... God kept working in my heart. Um, You know, you're in this place with 65 grown men. Uh, Some of them are straight out of prison. Uh, I've done 25 years in prison, and they're 55 years old. They've been in prison half their life, and that's the only life they know. Some of them are murderers. Uh, You're sitting in prison with, you're sitting in Teen Challenge with murderers, rapists, um, drug addicts, drug dealers. You name them, the dirtiest people you can think of. Man, they're in this place, and they're on their knees, and they're worshiping God. And every day they tell you that they love you, and you say, say to yourself, you don't even know me. How can you love me? You don't even know me. Um, man, they love you because God's put that in their heart. God's worked in their life already to where God's love is in their heart, and they're, tr- they're pouring out God's love to you. And the more that you sit there, and you take it in, and you see these guys' lives changing in front of you, and it's just, people ask, how do you believe in it? something you can't see? Man, I look in every one of those men, and I see God. I see Jesus in their life. And I say, man, I want that happiness. Yeah. That's, that's a happiness I've never felt in my life, and I didn't know how to get it. Yeah. Um, and that was the void I was trying to fill all them years out using drugs. It was this void, this empty void of love and happiness I didn't know how to get. And it was because I... I wasn't pursuing God. Right. Um, right. So God's redeemed a lot of things in your life, man. And I can tell you're very emotional about that. And it's really fresh for you. Um, one of the things that I want to highlight, though, let's just, let's, just zone, let's just kind of do a microscope and let's go in, okay? Let's look at the marriage. So you were divorced. You, your, your wife is away. Your kids are away. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you're in this program now. But God works a miracle. So how does this broken marriage become something that's healthy again through your obedience to God? Um, so crazy. Um, I'm pursuing God, and all I can focus on is whether or not when I talk to Chelsea, if she's lying to me or if what she's telling me is the truth, where she's at, what my kids are doing, if she's around other people, where she has them. I can't even focus on myself. Um, and finally, one day, 
I knew I had to focus on myself. If this was going to work, if this life change was going to happen, I had to focus on myself. Um, and I couldn't do that with my mind being on them the whole time. I went to the altar and, and I started praying to God every single day, numerous times throughout the day. Uh, God, just just take my family from me. Uh, I give you Chelsea. I give you my kids. Um, I can't do this uh, with my focus being on them. Um, if if she's supposed to be with somebody else, God, let her be with him. Um, I just want her to be happy. I want my kids to be happy. Um, and I want this to work in a way that my kids can have their dad back. Um, I just want it to work in the best way, and I know I can't do that with my focus being on them. So God, I, I give you my family. I give you every aspect of my life. I had to give up control of myself, um, control of every aspect of my life, um, because controlling my own life uh, led me to where I was before Teen Challenge. Yeah. So I knew I couldn't control my own life anymore, and, and I knew God could. I knew if my wife got sick, if my ex-wife got sick and my kids got sick, no matter what, whether I was there or whether I was in Teen Challenge, there's nothing I was going to be able to do that was going to make them feel better except for comfort them. I could comfort them on a phone. Um, but the only person that could heal them with the snap of a finger is God. Sure. Um, and so, the only person that could heal your marriage. And the only person that could heal, heal my marriage, heal me from who I was, was God. Um, so I had to give my life, the control of my life, up to God. And that was, as a man, that's the hardest thing to do. As a man, we have control problems. Sure. Um, uh, giving up control of your life, saying, man... God's, God's will is what I want in my life for the rest of my life. My own will is destruction. Right. Um, that was hard for me. Um, so, Brock, jump forward for us. So, because your marriage doesn't stay broken. No. Uh, so after being in Teen Challenge happened? for a while, uh, the head pastor at Teen Challenge came to me and said, uh, Brock, uh, I feel like I'm supposed to help mend the relationship between you and your ex-wife. Um, I'm not saying you'll get your wife back, but I'm saying you could get your friend back. And at that time, that's all that mattered to me was getting my friend back, um, getting my kids back. Um, February 14th of 2015, I remarried my ex-wife, um, and we were the very first... Thank you. We were the very first and still to this day the only ones that uh, Teen Challenge has taken in and remarried on their campus while, we were, while I was in the program. It's awesome, dude. Um, God, awesome. Uh, God really laid it on their heart that that was supposed to happen. And, uh, and today we're remarried yep. and uh, have a new baby boy um, because of this program. So guys, no matter where your life's at, God can turn it around. Right? No matter how far you think things have fallen apart, God can work a miracle, but you hear it. He's talking about the heart. And I'm telling you, what changed his heart is God's word yes. and spending time in God's presence. And today, here at New Life, um, we're going to celebrate a part of what God has put back together, what the enemy tried to destroy. We're going to celebrate today what God put back together. I'm going to invite Chelsea and, uh, and your kids out onto the platform really quick just to celebrate this marriage that God put back together. Can you celebrate God with me? Down. 
Come on in here, guys. Chelsea, come on in. Yeah. Right on. It's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Guys, only God can do this kind of work. Only God can do this. But you have to let God soften your heart, right? You have to let God work the miracle. That means you've got to, you have to invest. And when the storm comes, you've got to have an anchor. You've got to have God's word to hold you constant that softens your heart and says, God, okay, I'm going to give them up to you, right? I'm going to give up to you because you've convinced me that you're greater and you can manage things better than I can. And when you do that, look what God does. God gives you back the very things that the enemy tried to steal away. Chelsea, we love you. We love these kids. I promised you I wouldn't make you say anything. And so we're going to bless you, right? And we're going to let you, go, let you go back into the green room. So thanks, guys, for coming here today. And we celebrate this life change with you. Amen. <laughs> you, guys, you guys may be seated. That's cool stuff. I'm just telling you. If that's all we came here for today, that's great. But Brock, you, you said there's some verses that really mm-hmm. took, uh, took to your heart and they really changed you. The first verse you referred to more as a filter, Psalms 91, which, by the way, I love this, this chapter. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. Then he goes on. And he says, I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life, and I will give them my salvation. Why is that verse such a filter that changes the way you love, behave, think, and even you know, talk? Because uh, he came into my life. He rescued me um, in every aspect of my life. Uh, he healed me um, from my addiction. He's healed uh, the, the pain and the hurt in my life. Um, and he's shown me his true salvation. He's shown me a way of life. Um, and, and I rest in that because I know today the life I live, and as long as I pursue him, his salvation is, is my reward. Right on. And so just knowing that changes yeah. the way you love and you live, yeah. even to this moment. Yeah. Now, there was another verse, though, that you said, Jeff, this one is definitely like an anchor for me. This holds me when even still life has those moments that come and they kind of try to rock your boat, right? Yeah. You said Psalms 23. Psalms 23, 3 and 4. He says that, that that passage says, He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? The good part. I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they even comfort me. How... How and why is that verse an anchor for you? Um, because as long as I remember that verse, um, there is no trial and tribulation that comes my way that I cannot persevere. Um, I put God first in front of me, and I let him take the steps in front of me. Um, as long as I follow him, there is nothing that will come in my way to stop me and his will in my life to make sure that it happens. You said something powerful to me as we were talking um, before and you said Teen Challenge is not what saved you. Yeah, Teen Challenge isn't what saved my life. It was God that saved my life through Teen Challenge. Um, Amen. Um, Teen Challenge is just uh, is is the vessel that God uses uh, to change people's life. You would think 
there's an 86% success rate in Teen Challenge uh, with people staying clean and sober after they complete the program. Wow. Um, you would think that there's a line waiting out the door and around the corner into the <laughs> next state, but there's not. Um, there's not a waiting list at all because God sends the people that he has handpicked, the ones that he knows are ready for his salvation. That's where he sends them. Brock, you definitely are on track, man, to becoming one of those men that are part of that healthy statistic of guys that have had their lives rocked by God and by his word, and he has rewritten the very DNA of your heart. And although, you know, God rescued you from prison, I'm telling you right now, your testimony today, and as, and as often as you get to share that testimony, is acting as a key for someone else's prison that they're living in right now. Amen. And so thank you so much, man, for allowing God to transform and change your heart and for letting us be a part of celebrating the story of one yep. of our very own for Brock and Chelsea Teal. God bless you, man. Thank you. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Wow. Powerful story, right? You have a story as well that needs to be told. If you would, in your bulletin really quick, just pull out of that bulletin. There is a, a testimony survey. I'm going to ask you in a minute to fill out this survey. You'll be given time now. You'll be given time at the end of the service as well to fill out this survey because your story has to be told. Your story has to be told. Jesus went and he ministered to to a man who was full of sin and full of demons, and the man gets set free from all of these, these amazing, incredible things that have been controlling his life in a very wicked, evil way, and Jesus goes to him and sets him free from his sin and sets him free from all the demonic forces that were controlling him. Well, it's no surprise that this guy loved Jesus so much that he says, I want to go with you, Jesus. Come on, let me go with you. Let me spend the rest of my days with you. Very much like some of the Teen Challenge guys. Man, let me just stay here in Teen Challenge. But Jesus said to the man in Mark chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Just like Brock can't stay in Teen Challenge for the rest of his life, nor could this man, you know, just go in the boat with Jesus for the rest of his life. Just like those guys can't do those things, you can't keep your story to yourself for the rest of your life. Your story has to get out. Your story must be told. And so here at New Life, we're going to be writing a book this summer. This summer, we're writing a book, and in October, October 2nd, we're going to roll the book out to all of you. It's a book that's going to be professionally written. It's a book professionally bound. It's a book that's professionally published. And we're going to be turning your stories into an evangelistic tool so that Carney and North Platte might know how powerful God really is. Just like the stories of Brock, some of your stories. There's going to be nine stories that make it into the book. Our pastoral staff are going to weed through these surveys. So that's why I want you to fill these surveys out. And we're going to get these stories into the book. Then what we're going to do with the book is something radical. It's going to blow your mind away. We're going to start in the month of October, start mailing books out street by street in Kearney and in North Platte. And over the next few years, we want to blanket our entire community of Kearney and the entire community of North Platte with the incredible stories of what God has done in the lives of people and that God's not dead. He's continuing to change lives. And we want these stories to inspire them. They're going to walk through our doors. They're going to give their life to Christ and they're going to become a story of God's redemptive power themselves.
It's going to be, it's an amazing journey we're going to be going on over the next number of years. But what it starts with is today and today only. This is the only day we're going to do this. We're not going to do this on other Sundays. This is the only Sunday we're going to accept these testimony surveys. Every one of you has a story. Please fill this out. The stories that get written, your names will not be in there. They're going to use alias names. So you don't have to worry about that. So please share Put all the information down. We need you to fill out the stuff at the bottom as well that says the best time to call you. You know, the name, the age, the phone number, the email address. Please put all of that in there. Um, In the next few moments as our worship team leads us, uh, you can fill it out. It will be a little dark to do that. But also at the end of the service, you can fill that out as well. And um, then you can turn it in to our ushers at the door, again, this Sunday, this Sunday only. So please, be a part of this process. Tell us a little bit about your story, and let's see what God will do with your story. Well, you guys have been sitting for a while. Why don't you stand with me? Let's spend the next few moments in prayer. And then let's take these next, these next few moments as the worship team comes, and let's respond to God. God has transformed lives in this place. He's a God who still changes lives, and I believe God wants to touch and he wants to change your life today. Let's pray. Father, we come to you thanking you for the incredible story we just heard from Brock and from Chelsea. Lord, you do change lives still. You are still at work. You are powerful. Let when we think that there's something that can never change, Lord, you can change it. When we think that our marriage right now is, is, uh, is in an unhealthy place and it can't, ever, it can't get better than what it is right now, Lord, your word says and your hope says that, God, it can change and it can be brought back to where it needs to be. When we think of people that we love, it might even be our, uh, our family members with our kids, our, our grandchildren, or a husband or a wife, and we look at their life and we think to ourselves, they can never change. God, you look at them and you, you see the hope. You see the transformed person. We look at our own personal lives sometimes at the behavior and the action of our lives and we're wondering, God, can we change? And our hope is found in you. Our hope is found in the promise of who you are as described in your word that, Lord, you can change us. You can transform us. You can turn us into the people that you designed for us to be if we'll do what Brock did, humble ourselves, pursue you, give up the fight, and give you complete control. We want to do that, Lord, over these next few moments. We just want to give you control. We want to stop the fight. We want to throw up our hands and say, God, I surrender. May that happen here in North Platte and down in the venue. In Jesus' name, amen.